0: Thank you. Would you help me once again? We can't thank God enough for the return of our deacon who had a horrible accident and God blessed him. He's back on his feet. Deacon Nelson Williams, Deaconess Betty Joe Williams who's been his caretaker. God bless you. I saw uh, the daughter of one of our great deacon and deaconess who were visiting with us today. Let's thank God for Sister Mari. Good to see Sister Mari Noble. God bless you, baby. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Close your eyes for just a moment. I've been through the storm and the rain. But I made it. Sometime through sickness and pain. Oh. Folk talked about me, Uh, but I made it. Father, we ask you to bless, have your way, move in this place, in the mighty name of Jesus. Speak a word afresh. Amen. Open your Bibles with me. You've already heard, read, and you're hearing Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. And I'm only going to read verse 7. Hopefully you all know this story. If you're physically able, you can stand. If not, please don't feel bad. We stand only in reverence to the word of the living God in this place at this time. But verse 7, I'm going to actually read it from the New Living Translation this morning. The New Living Translation, the same verses you've heard, but from this translation. Verse 7 at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves you may take your seats may the lord bless his already blessed word for our hearing and living i want to talk for the next few moments on what we started on father's day and i'm going to be shifting this into a brief series, but I want to talk for the next few moments from this theme, Where Are You, Adam? And the subtopic is shame. Where Are You, Adam? The subtopic is shame. I could also add, Where Are You, Eve? Shame is sometimes uh, described as a painful feeling. uh, a feeling of humiliation, a feeling of distress, a feeling of, of your subconscious or your consciousness, if you will, after you've done something wrong or foolish or because somebody you care about is being humiliated or at least in your eyes. Shame is that kind of an unpleasant thing. It's, it's that kind of self-conscious thing. It's an emotion that typically is associated with a negative self-evaluation. Many times it is brought on by the fact that we think others will think less of us if we are experiencing what we experience or if those around us are dealing with what they are dealing with. And so we then begin to beat upon ourselves. We withdraw. And a part of our motivation is because of the feeling of distress, we hope to hide not only from God, but from ourselves. The exposure of whatever it is brings out a mistrust of life itself. We enter into a period of powerlessness where we're unable to handle ourselves. We don't know what to do with what we're dealing with and therefore we now feel worthless. All of a sudden, our minds have given up on us and we are now struggling with things that we thought we had the capacity to handle. And because we find ourselves now incapacitated by emotion, we are left bereft of joy. Sometimes we act like we can't deal with anything. Carl Jung, the great psychologist, once said that shame is a soul-eating emotion. Eats at your very core, your soul. Many years ago, uh, a movie came out, I believe it was in 1994. I'm not making movie recommendations this morning, only because this movie speaks to something I want to mention here. But in that movie, the movie was called A Low Down Dirty Shame. Shame! Look at that picture there, if you will, the, from the poster of the way Keenan Ivy Wings is dressed there in the beginning of the movie. He dresses in a certain way. This was not a stellar box office uh, movie, but it had a metaphorical complexity to it because the film actually depicted the downward spiral and the self-loathing of the man whose name was Shame. The caricature that was put forth there by the lead actor showed someone who was now negatively living his life and was beating himself up. His entire existence was seen in metaphoric proportions. He established it by the clothing he wore. He owned nice clothes, but he chose to dress like he was indigent. He had a nice car, but he drove a raggedy hoopty. He was talented enough to work a good job, but he took low paying employment, punishing himself for failure because he had had a bad time on his previous job. It was only after his dignity is restored, after he realizes that failure is not final, that God can also have something extra for your life. I want you throw that in parenthetically, that, that there's always something beyond. All of a sudden, the next movie poster, I just love this one. There he is at the end. The brother with his head now shaved, looking good. His shades on, and he's got a suit on that will make you want to think you just walked out of a Brooks Brothers store. Yes, yeah, something happened that transformed and restored him, and even his clothing showed his restoration. Some of us may not be telling anybody, we're struggling. Sometimes it's not what people can see, it's what they can't see. It's what we worry that they may see, it's what may come out. Oh, what if they discover, so what? the only good thing 45 has taught us is how to handle shame. Anyway, I digress. Those of you who are Game of of Thrones fans will remember the end of season five. In season five, there's this horrific nightmare scene, if you, if you ever watch it and I'm not recommending again, where the High Sparrow speaks to the people of King's Landing and he tells them that this woman is about, Cersei is about to take her walk of shame. And there in the walk of shame, she's stripped of her clothes and she's forced to walk down buck naked down the middle of the street while the town people speak and spit upon her and throw things at her and call her out of her name and it is because of the faith of the seven the religious people who say this is the walk of atonement. And the town crier the nun comes behind her ringing the bell shame shame let it not be thought that this is something created by independently by the mind of R.R. R. Martin, who is a wonderful writer and prolific thinker. No, this actually comes from a real scene that took place in England. It actually happened. It has happened in times past. They call her Jane Shore. She was a mistress of King Edward IV in the 1400s. And because of her, mistress, her lifestyle, they put her in the middle to walk through the streets to be shunned, to be shamed let me say this to you there's no love in that and this is how we end up treating each other you know one of the problems with us is that as long as it's not my sin it's really not bad as long as it's not my life situation is not that bad one of the problems is we have a hard time dealing with life not just because life itself is hard, or the situations are hard, or what we're going through is hard, or even the fact that we're going through it is hard. No, we have a hard time dealing with situations because we worry about what people are going to say as we're dealing with it. Shame. I want to take a moment because I do believe that at some point we have to press our way through the fog of shame and humiliation and find a way to be and to live even as God wants us to live. I don't know about you but when I read this story, I, I read the story of Adam and Eve. I probably don't read it the way you read it. I read it a little different. I read a people who are struggling and trying to understand some of the things in their lives. And as they try to put together how life begins, they, they work through some things. And one of the things they work through is this issue of the knowledge of good and evil. And as they're struggling with this understanding of reason and enlightenment and what does it mean? Because you have to remember at the end of chapter two, the last verse of chapter two says they were naked and not ashamed. That's how I like my chicken wings. <laughs> my children are watching, it's an inside family joke, go to a restaurant sometime, they say you want barbecue sauce or hot banana. no, no, naked and not ashamed. Some of you are getting too serious. I need to break that up. Stay with me. They're struggling as a group. How do we make sense of life? And as you look at this real closely, the serpent beguiles Eve. And after she is beguiled, the Bible then depicts her giving the fruit to her husband. They both eat. And what takes place is not death of the flesh, it is death of ignorance. Yes, in the day they ate it, they did surely die. Ignorance died and enlightenment came in and reason came in and at the moment of enlightenment and reasoning, they didn't look down and they saw themselves differently than they had seen themselves prior to eating of the fruit. It was only at that moment that they realized they needed modesty. From who? It was only at that moment that shame entered into their situation. When God spoke to them, notice if you will, you read the text closely, God comes in the cool of the evening. God, being omniscient, already knew what was going on. God comes to them in the cool of the evening and God gets there. When God gets there among them, God stands there and says, Where are you, Adam? Adam? Where are you? And Adam finally answers over here. I want to, I want to, first thing I want to tell you about shame, you know, he's hiding in the bushes. Because there's this first part about shame that all of us struggle with, and that is sort of an acquiescence. Yeah, that, 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 that word simply means it's kind of a passive acceptance, a reluctant acceptance without protest. He he, he he has to this, acquiesces this kind of, uh, uh, I'm going too far, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there before. i got to deal with it. And see, some of us are too cool to get the actual ah. <laughs> so we got blood vessels balling our heads. We stri- <laughs> look like a bad kid. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. But I gotta, I gotta deal. I gotta live. And I suppose that in truth, we've got to accept some things we can't change, and we need the serenity and grace to do it. But I want to tell you something, you don't have to to deal with life. Sometimes you're straining where you ought to simply be praying. I, um, I got this thing, you know. I, my mama taught me when I was young, and, I, and, and she gave this to me as a prayer. She gave it to all of her, all of her, children, all of her children, but the, the thing she gave to me as a prayer was, Lord, what's for me, bring it to me. Lord, what's not, push it far, far away. Simple prayer, I want you to learn how to pray it. That's all I want you to say. You don't have to, so, so, so what ends up happening is, the, the, the logic behind it, I didn't get. At first, I was just praying the prayer. Lord was for me, bring it to me. Lord was not, push it far, far away. What ended up happening because of the logic behind it is, if something I wanted was going away from me, it never upset me because it must be God's will. And if something happened that I thought was unpleasant, it must be God's will and it too will work out. Look, some of y'all grew up when I did. Y'all remember Reverend Eichendorf? They called him Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike had to be the coolest pimp preacher ever seen in my life. If you, if you ever see Car Wash, the old Car Wash, the real old one, and when they saw the, pimp, the preacher come up, played by Richard Pryor, it's actually fashioned after Reverend Ike. That's what it is. <laughs> Reverend Ike used to have a coin, and he, he, would, he would flip it up. On one side, it would say lucky. On the other side, it said blessed. <laughs> He'd flip it up. <laughs> and somebody said, Ike, why do you do that? He said, because I want people to know you can't lose with the stuff I use. Oh, I've got to get this out today. Somebody's going to get a blessing out of this thing. Listen, one of the things you've got to recognize is that when you trust God, this is, this is off script from Genesis, but stay with me for a moment. When you trust God, no matter what it is, it's going to be all right. Guess what? Sometimes you can't change it. And guess the other part of that you need to get in your heart? Sometimes it's not your place to change it. Listen. I, I, here, here Adam is. Just has to accept it. There's an acquiescence. But the second thing that, that happens with Adam. Now, him and God have been hanging out. God had been making animals for him to name and they've been in the garden chilling like a villain. they've They've been there. Everything's cool. So Adam, why are you hiding? I think it gives me my second thing that I want to talk about with shame and that is avoidance. Sometimes we will avoid that which needs to be dealt with because it's painful, because it ain't cool, because it's hard. And Adam, knowing that God is his creator, still hides. Um, there are several scriptures that deal with Adam's uh, hiding, and, uh, and the best probably of which, which we'll look at during this summer for a moment is in the psalm when the psalmist tried to say, where do I go from your presence, God? Benjamin Watts paraphrase, if I go up or down, you're still there. (laughs) Listen, sometimes when life does things to you, or when you have made a mistake, running ain't going to help. I don't remember the direct title of uh, Reverend Bunkley's book, but it's How to Deal with Psychic Trauma and, uh, and, I, and I, su- I do suggest you, you get a chance to read it, uh, Reverend Cassandra Bunker. you can find it online. Listen, you need to recognize that sometimes you just have to deal with stuff. You gotta deal. He's hiding from somebody that's already standing where he's at. It's like playing hide and go seek without trees. You might get that on the way home. Some of you are a little bit on the slow bus today, but <laughs> listen, you can't avoid. I, I'm going I'm to hurry. I, I got I to I get the, the third thing in the text that, that just jumps out at me and that I want to just get in here is that when, uh, when God speaks to him, he says, Adam, he said, yeah, Lord. He said, uh, what are you doing back there? And Adam says, well, Lord, when we uh, recognized we were naked, we went back. Who told you you were naked? Who, who, God, what you say? I put you in a garden, and I gave you everything but one thing, and you touched the one thing I told you not to touch. When you had everything, if you had even tried, you couldn't have got through everything, you just went straight to the no zone. Let me help you here. This gonna bless your socks. The real goal of the story here is the recognition that we create our own problems. At the core, that's what it's all about. That you have to learn. That we create our own problems. Now we can, we can get sophisticated and start talking about disobedience. And you could try and theologize, theologize this thing and start talking about original sin. No, let's stay with one issue. We create our own problems. Thousand trees. You're not that hungry. If you eat two or three a day, you gotta be here years before you even get back to the other tree. We create our own problems. But guess what happens? Now, I'm, I'm, I, I just I enjoy this part here. Um, he tells Adam, who told you that? Then Adam starts like a Philadelphia lawyer Now, now you see, now, Your Honor, look, 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 I got a good excuse here. I was not looking for fruit. But if you want to be honest about it, this is probably your fault, because you made the tree, and then you made this woman. And if you hadn't made the tree, and you hadn't made this woman, then I wouldn't be in this situation. And the woman said, hey, 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 hey. You also made that snake! <laughs> Y'all, excuse me, I've got it. Close. close. It's the third point. And that's the point of arguing. Arguing. And, and let me just say this. Sometimes we argue with God Why, 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 why? Sometimes we argue with ourselves. I should have did this, 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 this. Or if I said this, this, this. Or if I'd done this, this, this. Arguing. Um, Can I help you out here? There were no, uh, let's let's do it in uh, Supreme Court terms because God is the ultimate Supreme Court. There were no oral arguments to be heard that day that we're going to change the situation. Look at somebody telling me it, it is what it is. At that point, God teaches us what I think is the greatest lesson available in all of the Bible. Mr. Clean and Twinkie used to sing a song. Huh? Y'all don't know Twinkie? Huh? Okay. Now y'all need to get up on your church gospel music. When I mention it's a shame, y'all were all singing in your mouth. Low down dirty. Shit. I mentioned Twinkie Clark, a member of the famous Clark Sisters. And y'all up there like, oh, who that? (laughs) Mess up my sermon. (laughs) I'm almost finished, stay with me for a moment. I'm almost done. They sang a song. The song was simply this: accept what God allows. Accept what God allows. Oh, you ain't got it yet. You ain't got it yet. I know it's not easy. I know this ain't tough thing. I'm preaching to Saints now. I'm not trying, I'm just trying to help somebody this morning. Cause see you 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 struggling on a bus you don't need to be on. You beating up yourself over stuff God already forgave you for. You crying over things, other people's decisions like in your decisions. You have to just accept what God allows. You've got to recognize that it's all in God's hands. And if it's in God's hands, you don't have to worry about taking control of God's work. I I sometimes wish people would realize... I don't care what you go through. I don't care if the shame you're dealing with is from something you did or something done to you or something someone else did that's connected to you. I know this much, the God I serve does not want you to walk around with your head hung down and beating yourself up and living beneath your privilege Because the God I serve is a God of love. He's a God of compassion. He's a God of caring. He's a God of understanding. He's a God of kindness. He's a God that loves us in spite of ourselves. And if that's the kind of God you serve, you ought to give that God a praise because he knows just what we need. see that kind of god says i know you've made leaves to cover yourself with but i'll make you a leather garment and put it over you and cover you and cover your nakedness that kind of god says i will take care of you in spite of what is going on that kind of god does not leave you with a scarlet letter that kind of god does not leave you to wallow in the mud that kind of god loves you and i come today to preach a god of love that cares for you. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, let's just celebrate the Lord. Let's celebrate the Lord. And if your head bowed and every eye closed as you stand on your feet this morning. I'm not finished, but I've got much more I want to say because there's life after this.